A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Magic, the podcast where we talk about everything that's happening in tech, gaming, fashion, innovation, you name it. We've got a pretty long episode today. Yeah, we have I think we so do. much to talk about. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I'm always joined by my guest co-host, Lee Keebler. Lee, how you doing? I'm uh, great. Today was an interesting day. Um, and uh, let's, had, talk about, just... let's talk about the Super Bowl first, okay? Did that happen? Was that a Did thing? Did that happen? <laughs> this will be, you know, people listen to this on, on Wednesday, but we, we're recording on Monday. And yep. it's like, I'm coming off of like an, a super high, not just because the Chiefs won. Yeah, good. Woohoo, yay. Uh, but the Usher Bowl, uh, <laughs> the Usher Bowl I was, was everything. You I and I were in Slack be. talking back and forth through that whole halftime. Yeah, I was like, I was on trend. We had we were talking on this podcast a couple weeks ago, but that I was roller skating, and Usher comes out. You know, uh, halftime show, roller skating and stuff. But oh, shirt comes off. Oh, I was all. I was in heaven. I was I was so happy. <laughs> like, with I think Kathy might have just fainted a little. Oh, yeah, you were like, check on Kathy, like check on Kathy after this. It was nuts. Um, my son actually grabbed the phone. I said, can you record mommy experiencing a little bit of this uh, in a spatial video? Because I was like, I, like, yeah, I was like, I just want to relive that memory when I'm like 80 years old and can't dance. Because uh, I was having so I mean, I was having the time of my life in my in my kids like playroom, like just having it was a, a good show. It was it's a good show. I, the best comment I saw was Usher called in the 2006 Avengers and <laughs> they all assembled. Ludacris, Jermaine Dupree. I mean, Will, Will I am was there. Will I am her. Alicia Keys, Lil John. I was just like, and they, and they brought the A-Town, like they brought Atlanta. Uh, me, it was I'm such a good show. Atlanta's home and I like really felt it. I was like, this was the Atlanta Super Bowl that we wanted back, back when we yeah, had yeah, in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so that was awesome. I do want to say some tech stuff that I noticed. What'd you uh, related to um, related, to, you know, Apple Vision Pro and other stuff. Uh, so really cool uh, in Usher's um, video for Ruin. And it's one of the mm, songs yeah. for his new yeah, album. Yeah, 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 they yeah, actually yeah. use uh, Gaussian's platting. Yep. Uh, in uh, right, Radiance uh, Radiance Fields. Radiance Fields. Yeah, I think that's the, Radiance Fields. That's the name of the company. Um, to uh, to do part of the model, the Gaussian the Gaussian's platting model. So. Yeah. Uh, did you see that? Because that was pretty I did. Cool. I did. Yeah, that yeah. was really neat. Yeah, it's kind of like for those who are listening and can't really yeah. picture it. It's um, like a updated version of like that metric, that matrix mm -hmm. zoom where it like does a fly around. But 
Like that's the only way you can really like describe it where people can kind of picture it in their head, but it's better. Like yeah. it's, it's just, yeah, it's killer. It's killer. So I love that. Uh, then Diplo, Diplo, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Diplo, I guess Diplo. Diplo. Um, Diplo. There you go. I, I needed someone to say it. Diplo. Uh, Diplo um, actually showed up to the press conference wearing an Apple Vision Pro. Uh, oh, really? I yeah, he showed I up to the Apple Music um, press conference wearing his Vision Pro. He was like, hey, dude, like, so I, I did like, see okay. the T Pain video that are making that's making the circles. Oh, T Pain's like... T Pain's on the spatial train. <laughs> T Pain's on the spatial train. Tell folks about that because that was really yeah. Funny. He I guess he went and got one. I don't know what mall he was at, but he was in a mall <laughs> where he like went to an Apple store in a mall, got one, left, had the headset on, and was like, "I'm never leaving this thing. Like this is it." <laughs> and he made some really funny observations to, and he like made a couple callbacks to like the Google glass. And he's like, y'all made fun of the Google glass. And now I'm just done about it. Like, this is how I'm living now. I was like, yeah, okay. All right. You go, T-Pain. Now, now to, now to be fair in the back of my head, I am going, this is either he's legit, like super hyped about it. And I do think he was like yeah. super hyped about it. You can tell about it, but he's also putting out some like music video content for the Apple vision pro. Mm -hmm. You can tell that like, there's some content he's pushing out. That's like really aiming for that, that the, that spatial or video maybe he's trying to get some of the apple music money i mean yeah oh yeah yeah i mean that's yeah of course, of course maybe right but he was definitely on the train um so today i want to give people's people a little bit of a rundown because we're going to talk about a lot of stuff it's going to be an episode full of interesting conversations of course oh, wait, we're going to talk first. about oh yeah yeah go go first let me say anyone who got into the uh, uh the super bowl yesterday and you were biting your nails off at the end because it goes into overtime tied okay and that was everybody. It's completely Kathy's fault <laughs> because I get, well, it was, it was just around halftime. It was either it was right before or a little bit after I get a message from Kathy going, this, this is just not an exciting game. This is not. And then right after just yeah. rocket ship and became one of the most nail biting uh, Super Bowls. I I've ever seen. Later I was like, this just changed. It's a nail biter. Cause I was like, I am so like, well, you know, after halftime show, like I'm super pumped. Adrenaline was pumping. Like it's coming down. Mm -hmm. I'm like, What's going on with this game? Like, I'm like, and then boom, it was awesome. Yeah, just like a rocket. So, yeah, was that was your fault. That was a great game. It was awesome. Um, so, yeah, so today we're going to definitely talk about more Apple, Apple Vision Pro, because Lee went and got a demo. We're going to talk about New York Fashion Week a little bit. Some of the tech stuff uh, we hear was on the runway, which always, of course, is one of my favorite things. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, hardware and AI and things that are happening in that space with some new releases. And we're going to talk, you know, about... Um, government and ai as well and of course yeah, we some legal stuff to tons cover. of gaming oh yeah. yeah there's some legal stuff like there's, there's we should get a lawyer like a an ai lawyer on the on the podcast i think that'd be interesting or ai that is a lawyer no <laughs> a lawyer that is trying to regulate ai <laughs> yeah no a human sure, lawyer i'm pretty sure ai could pass the bar I, yes, I, I'm sure they could. There's, there's some pretty crappy lawyers out there's there. There's some pretty bad lawyers out there. So, yeah, I'm sure. Maybe an AI lawyer might be better than some of those crappy, <laughs> crappy, um, you know, attorneys. So, anyway, um, want to talk a little bit about Apple. So, I was at, um, I'm an Apple developer, as everyone listening to this knows, because I love saying that. Uh, I'm just so proud of myself, to be honest. Um, but you did go last was, week. You were there. Yeah, I was there last week. I was there all, there, all day Wednesday. You can't really talk about what you do at labs, but you can say you were there. So I was there all day Wednesday with one of my uh, main developers for Spatial Dynamics. So that was really fun. Um, and then 
Thursday, we were in New York. We had tons of meetings. Like the interest level for spatial computing and developing mm. for Vision Pro and spatial interfaces is through the roof. Back-to-back meetings. I came home exhausted, but in a great way. Yeah. So yeah. that was awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, this is important because you hadn't gotten a demo. No. So, you got a yeah. Demo. Yeah, I did. Wow. I had a really interesting conversation with the people at Apple today. Um, so for whatever reason, I, so I'm in Portland, Oregon, which I think most people who listen to this show know. Um, and for whatever reason, Portland did not get Apple Vision Pros until uh, the 6th of February. And they were immediately sold out. So the the secret with Portland and the reason it's actually kind of hard to get most new products at Apple uh, in Portland is because Portland is a tax is in a tax free state. We don't have a sales tax, and we rest between Washington and California. So guess who comes and takes all of our Apple products? Um, yeah, I am sure. <laughs> <laughs> so like they can't they cannot keep them in stock right now in Portland, which is great. That's a great thing. It's just but Portland's kind of become the hub that everyone who's like wants one goes because you're it's thirty five hundred dollars and you're going to be saving a pretty good grip of money just on the sales tax of it. So, I would have loved to save those taxes from two you know two vision yeah, pros for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 kind of gnarly. Um, but I so I did finally go in and went through the demo <clears throat> and uh, it was it was much longer. I, I spent a lot more time than I think the normal like 30 minute thing. Uh, and, and so I had a really good uh, person who had been demoing it quite a bit and we had a long conversation. And um, so m- I have so many thoughts on this product uh, now that I've really spent a good thoughts amount of time or questions. With. Thoughts, thoughts. Okay. Um, Tell me I more. understand. I understand. I understand it. I really do. Of course. <laughs> and I think what I'm surprised by is there's absolutely thirty five hundred dollars worth of technology in this headset. That's not the same as thirty five hundred dollars worth of value to the average user. Amen. Well said. Um. So I get the price point after going through it. I see a lot of rooms, areas for improvement, and then a lot of areas that were so shockingly good that I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so I loved I loved the fully immersed mode. That was so crystal crisp and clear. But I will say, I was expecting more from the pass-through. Mm-hmm. The, okay. it, it is the best pass-through I have seen. Yeah, It's the best pass-through I've seen. It's not spectacularly better than like the quest three when it comes to Hmm. colored pass through it's not so much better it it is better it is better it is better it's it's undeniably better but it's not so it's it's not like transparent like you're looking through glass right yeah and you haven't done with the vario because i have not done the very awesome pass yeah yeah but okay okay keep going but it 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 is fantastic but as soon as i went in that fully immersive Hmm. mode that crystal clear look was something I'd never seen before. But I'll yeah. tell you what really got me. I'm sitting there. I'm sitting at the base of Mount Hood, which is one of the environments that it comes stocked <laughs> yeah. with, which is hilarious from Portland, Oregon, because that's our mountain. And I'm just like, okay, take me somewhere I haven't <laughs> been. Um, <laughs> but like, that's the, that's yeah. what's in there. Uh, and it's, it's just g- glorious. And then I looked down and I saw my hands. Mm-hmm. That, that realization that it was my real hands and the pass through had perfectly cut 
the silhouette around my hands to where my hands were in three-dimensional space and I am in the environment. And not only that, I'm wearing, because it's Portland, I'm wearing a hoodie and it's a it's like a windbreaker hoodie. So it's really kind of lumpy. And my entire arm is in it. Mm-hmm. That, it was my arm that got me. I understood the cutout of the hands and I was like, this is really well done. But when I saw my arm, I spent way too much time just moving my sleeve around because I, to this day, I like, I do not know how it's doing that. Um, it it so perfectly. I mean, it was a really billowy, kind of goofy, uh, 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 hoodie that hoodie. I was wearing. Okay. And so, like, all of the ridges were perfectly I cut out, and well, and that I wasn't expecting. Well, that's why when people say like AI or like Apple and AI, I'm like, this thing has so much computer vision in it. Yeah, it, it is does. processing so much that yeah, a. Apple might not be like LLM, LLM, but there mm-hmm. is so much AI in this device. It's so good. And and even when I was in that fully immersed mode, and it took me a little while to fully understand what was happening because I, cha- I turned the dial and everything went to Mount Hood. And then if I focused where someone was, like the person who I was talking with, they would ghostly come into view and, mm-hmm. I, and they didn't tell me that it was going to happen. And I kept thinking in the back of my head, oh, I, maybe I didn't turn the dial far enough or something. And then I realized it was wherever my eyes looked, if there was a person in that point of view, it knew there was a person and would silhouette them in. So mm-hmm. like there's, even when you're fully immersed, there's no like risk of bumping into or like accidentally hitting. And I've hit a few people in VR. Like uh, there's Never probably fun. a couple OSHA problems. <laughs> You've stepped on your dog. Have you stepped on your dog as well? I've not. Happened? I've not stepped on my dog, but that's because my dog can't climb the stairs to my office. Ah, so. that's why. But no, I mean, yeah, like that's happened to me where I'm like, I'm so sorry, Arthur. Like, I did not mean to step on your on your. Yes. Paw. So like, there's there's there are these things inside the headset that are fantastic. The eye tracking, the hand tracking, mm-hmm. how all of that works together is so perfectly put together. And I was gobsmacked at the spatial video that was that is it like that's the use case there is a future uh, someone listening right now is going to go start this company because there is a future company just in like leveraging ai to upscale and convert old home movies into this format it is unbelievable um so like all of those things were great i don't like the head strap did you use the other one I didn't use the top strap. I used I used, used the, the regular the, one, the one that they marketed, I used the like the one that everyone so likes. It it's like some. Uh, I'm gonna be real. It's like someone took those like knitted Yeezys and said, "Okay, make a head strap out of it." <laughs> like I don't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> it's nice and cozy. <laughs> like no. It's cozy, but I am not convinced it's going to like no withstand. I, and I think that that's my that's that's my hot take over the Your entire thing is like my one hot take is that that comfy band is comfy, but I I just don't see like I'm in I'm in sneaker city. Right. So we got yeah. like Adidas and we I, I literally live like really close to Adidas headquarters for the US. Right. And so Yeezys were like everywhere and every time. And it's the rainiest, most mud puddled city in the world. And people would come out with Yeezys and these knitted Yeezys. I'm like, they're going to last like a week. You can't do that. And and I feel the same when I see that knitted, uh, that knitted head strap. And that's all I could That's all you, oh my gosh. It looked like a pair of Yeezys. (laughs) Don't, Dan, don't give him any ideas. Um, (laughs) 
But it's an amazing device, though. I'm with you. There's definitely a lot of technology that went into this. It's Lots amazing. of AI. Look, computer vision. This is like seamless and beautiful. It is so beautiful. Um, you yeah. know, I, yeah, like you saw my video. I was crying. Like I got emotional. Um, yeah, yeah. It, and as someone who great. like, I, I, the yeah. a big chunk of my career, like my time when I was at Intel was so Intel acquired. I think if I remember right, the name was uh, a Vogue, right? And this was the same mm-hmm. time that Apple acquired Next VR, and yeah. both Vogue and Next VR were doing. Um, they were like s- scrapping for the the rights for sports entities to do like 360 and VR content. And so like mm-hmm. Vogue had a bunch of them and then like Next VR had a bunch of them. So when I'm in the headset and I and they did mm-hmm. some of the de- demo video for sports, that was like I'm not going to say emotional, but it was kind of like this really like I had a big grin on my face because it was the realization of something that we were really striving for back in like 2019. Um, so to see that and to see it finally crystal clear, to see it in something that people will actually finally be able to experience was a big revelation real realization for me as someone who worked on very similar mm-hmm. projects so like i'm certain that was the leverage for next vr and they did a great job it looks so good it looks so good no i i'm i'm super excited about it i was having a conversation uh with a friend about it spatial video and like the future of the family photo like yeah oh you totally know, the progression of yeah. this and um and i think i said this in the last um last episode, but we've got a, I've got a good friend uh, who works at Niantic who's getting married soon and we've got a group chat. And I was like, no, like jo- all joking aside, I said, do you think he's going to film his, his wedding in spatial video? And I was like, uh, you bet he is. Yeah. Uh, so I see like, there's a business here, a moment here with like spatial video, the future of memories, the future of family photos. And the reason why eventually in a version two or version three or an iPhone 16, when it gets more spatial capabilities that the mass consumer will be like, I need to have this to relive those memories. Totally. Um, you know, it, part of the value that you mentioned, you know, that's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of the value will be in human to human connection and how we make those memories. Now, so, what I'm looking forward to is like whatever they do with the iPhone 16 or, you know, mm-hmm. like as, as these things change, because I will say I, I had a really good demo person and uh, he and I went deep into some of the more spec stuff. Um, yeah. And we did a comparison of content spatial video content shot on the iPhone 15 versus what was shot actually on the headset, on headset. Mm-hmm. the headset's better. The headset oh, has, the headset has a little, has more depth, more depth. That would make sense. Yeah. Right? It does have yeah. more depth. Not that what, like the, the spatial video that came off like mm-hmm. I mean, when I say it's better, I don't mean it's light years better. I had to a B it and go back and forth and pick mm-hmm. the one that I liked. And I could definitely after I mean, you have to squint basically, (laughs) but it it is just a little bit more Mm -hmm. depth, a little bit more immersion. But if they can bring, if they can up the game of what the iPhone 15 is doing and it's doing very well even now, oh my gosh, like the whole, the whole thing's over. It's that's where the business, like when people are like, well, this is like the naysayers and they're like, this is a passing pattern. Like, no, you are not understanding that it's not about advice. It's about computing, transforming, computing will continue to evolve. Yeah. And this is what's taking us there. So what really not the only thing, but it's not the only thing. But Mm -hmm. what really got me was I didn't think I'd like big screens floating. Like, honestly, (laughs) like I've played with the idea of multiple screens in VR headsets and in in VR headsets that are even more comfortable than the Apple Vision Pro. Right. That I could spend more time in. So I didn't really think I'd like the idea of just flat like screens Mm -hmm. spread out. But the way they did it makes sense. It 
the value is in that combination of the eye and hand tracking and it not having to be super uh deliberate it it was very much like i meant to do this but Mm -hmm. it's not in a way where i'm telling the computer to do it the computer is recognizing my minute gestures and not misrecognizing minute Mm -hmm. gestures either so like all of that when was just amazing if you zoom in on a document you don't have to like reposition and do all the strange stuff it's actually whatever you're looking at plus the gesture to zoom in on that document and the text is legible all of that is so well fine-tuned because we had eye tracking we had Mm -hmm. hand tracking for whatever reason no one's combined the two in the way that apple did it oh that makes sense like so there there is so much value in even in this iteration yeah. And I've been stealing your line like this is the worst <laughs> Apple Vision Pro that we're ever going to have and it is pretty amazing. My things that I don't like are so superficial. They're and that's like amazing coming from you because I mean yes. I've known you for a long time. Like this is not I'm, typical this is not a typical typical Lee Keebler review. No, no, no. I'm I'm a I'm a grumpy old man who has <laughs> been wanting proper VR since 1995, and um, I, I very rarely have nice things to yeah, say about yeah. anything. Uh, and this, I came away going, hmm. I get it. Uh, yeah, I get this. So I was doing some demos for my son, um, and I was telling him, "Honey, is it honey? Think of your eyes as the mouse, and your gestures, your fingers, like the pinch and stuff, as your clicker." And he totally got it. He was playing. I sent you a video. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't do this at home, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But he's, we're watching the Super Bowl and he was a little bored. It was before the halftime show. <laughs> and um, he was a little bored. And I said, okay, come play some Fruit Ninja. So he got on Super Fruit Ninja in the Vision Pro and he's playing. He's on his hoverboard. Okay. He, yeah. He's really good at ho- that his hoverboard. So he's on his hoverboard and he's playing Fruit Ninja. And like, I sent you a video. I'm like, that's I some did. skill. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure there was a period of time where I could have done that. I don't remember it, um, but that was one of those things of like, you kind of have to be under 13 years old to be yes. able to do those two things together. I don't know no. where we lose that level of coordination along our human experience, Yeah, but mine's gone. Like, I can't Well, that's why that. film yourself in spatial video, because when you're 80 and you can't dance to Usher, <laughs> then you'll be like, okay, I lived it. I had this experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um <laughs> It'll be, you know what I did find interesting about the halftime show? It wasn't super high tech. It didn't need to. It didn't need to be. I loved that they had it on the field. Like the majority Mm -hmm. of it was on the field. It felt like a halftime show. Well, as a dancer, like dancing on grass, like kudos to Usher and all the dancers. I was just like, oh my gosh. And it felt like, you know what it felt like? Like home, like home, like a. A, a homecoming yeah, yeah, middle yeah. like middle school game with the band marching and the marching band things. was so good it too. felt it, oh, it was so nice it felt like the party we all needed yeah um so yeah i mean i i mean i had a blast i had yeah. so much fun great show all right so um i did want to mention something for everyone listening to this i put out my second article for the harvard business review uh where i got to talk to early adopters um including lowe's Elf Cosmetics and um, also the PJ Tour and also Hanifa, who is one of my clients at Spatial Dynamics, on what they are learning and how they're approaching the Apple Vision Pro and spatial computing as early adopters. Some great nuggets and tidbits in that article. We'll include a link. Um, I've gotten so much great feedback on it from a lot of business people. 
And yeah, the interest is, I mean, I'm, we're getting a lot of interest at Spatial Dynamics and I'm just thrilled. I'm just thrilled um, that we're such a young company and already getting calls from companies and brands and even investors <laughs> um, asking about what we're doing. So I don't know. What what do you think? Like from all the conversations that you've had for mm-hmm. for your for your new venture, um, what's the the standout thing that's surprising you the most? I guess it doesn't feel. It feels more real than with metaverse. Yeah. Okay. It feels more real or like less. Um, I'll get questions like, can you build something like an actual, instead of like, explain this to me or like, let's Mm -hmm. wax poetic about the metaverse. It's more like, can you build a solution? Can you build this? Like, let's explore this. Let's do this. Right. So I think a little bit more of that very concrete, um, less fear, I guess, because I think the people that that we're getting calls from understand that this is not about mixed reality. This is not about the vision pro. This is about new form of computing, right? What comes after mobile computing? Regardless of hardware, regardless, it's about starting to understand spatial mm-hmm. as an interface. Yeah. So um, I think that that's the most interesting thing, that more serious, more yeah. serious. So that's good to hear because it is, it does feel like the next gen technology, mm-hmm. finally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I think that a lot of us who have been doing this for a long time have been waiting for that. And 100%, it goes back to everyone asking when Apple, like mm-hmm. for a decade, we've yeah. been hearing people we've ask, been waiting. When does Apple get into it? So, yeah, I can I can see that. No one wants to bet against that either. Like, that's yeah. just a that's I a don't bet iron. against Apple. No. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, everyone's getting in. Like, everyone's, you know, starting to be like, okay, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want to be really clear about something for people who like, mm-hmm. because of my history of being kind of a technological pessimist, um, this does not negatively impact meta in the quest mm-hmm. in any way. There is such a definitive difference between these two headsets that both actually need to exist. It's good um, for them, actually. It's, it's great. It's great for both parties. And the best mm-hmm. way I can explain it, and maybe this is not meta's goal. But it is where we are, is there's a reason why people own a PlayStation 5, and there's a reason why people own a MacBook Pro. Mm -hmm. And nobody would argue that those are the same thing. Now, they're both technically computers. Mm -hmm. And, And so they technically both have an operating system, and they both run software, but they're in completely different categories. Not even like they're on different levels. It's not about that. They're in different categories. And that took me a little while to fully grasp the 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 difference there. Because everyone wants to make a competitive analysis or comparison between Meta's headsets and now Apple Vision Pro's he- in Apple's no. headsets. And it's 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 a silly thing. Apples to oranges, I, literally. <laughs> it really is apples to oranges because and, and we I was talking with this actually with one of your uh developers, um, mm-hmm. where there's this realization that the meta headset, you load software and it takes you to wherever that software wants to take you. Whereas Apple's headset, you start software and it brings it to your space. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying one is better than the other. Those are just ideally two different experiences and they have two different use cases. Like the, I don't think 
the gaming we see on the Meta Quest headset anytime soon, if ever, will be on the Apple Vision Pro. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Some of it, there will be some crossover. I think we're going to see Rec yeah. Room and we might see like VR chat and we'll see some of these other things pop up. But by and large, a lot of the really like tactile VR gaming stuff that absolutely requires controllers, absolutely requires like amazing six degrees of separation, of uh, six off, um, like all of those things, that's going to be with the Quest for a long time, if not forever. Whereas the Apple Vision Pro is a completely different product. And it took me a while to fully come to terms that these two headsets do not compete. I think that you make a good point because the way I'm phrasing it to people is desktop computing brought computing to our desks, right? Yeah. Personal computing brought computing on the go. And I think with spatial computing, it brings computing to the space around us. To yeah. everything around yeah, yeah. us, right? So it's yeah. like this. This, if you want to kind of phrase it in that perspective of how it's evolving. Mm-hmm. So your mm-hmm. point of bringing software to your space, I think it's it's very relevant. So um, I want to talk about gaming as our first segment because there's so much happening in that space. Um, we've got news right that on Thursday. So this comes out on Wednesday. On Thursday, uh, Phil Spector and other folks from the Xbox team are going to talk about their future vision for Xbox. Um, and um, and kind of what they see things going. So rumors are that there's going to be games in the Switch. There's going to be different things um, that they're going to be expanding into. So what are your thoughts? I mean, huge. It's it's huge, and it's a little confusing. Um, oh, do tell why? Because if I get I get the initial idea, and that is you're missing out on sales of your. Uh, uh, exclusive content and your exclusive content can only sell on your hardware. And if your hardware hardware is not doing, you know, uh, huge busting numbers, then you might invest all of this money into a game development that doesn't go that far. Um, now, Microsoft has always had one thing over PlayStation and in even Nintendo. And that is even if you, a lot of their games except for some of the things that they've deemed as exclusive um, are also available for like PC because yeah. Well, Starfield, Microsoft. right? Yeah. Yeah. Starfield, and, which there was news that has lost 97% of its steam players in the last six months. That's not, weird. not at all surprising. Like one thing that's got to change is large companies thinking that they, and this is, and this is to everybody except for Nintendo. Nintendo's <laughs> never Listen made up. this mistake. <laughs> But your like hundred hour campaign game cannot get interesting twelve hours into it. Like the fall off. Like people just don't have that type of. It's not that people don't have that type of attention span. And this has always gotten me when people are like, "Oh, people's attention spans are so short." And like, yeah, well, our video games literally last us years, so our attention spans can't be that short. It's just what we decide to to put them in. But Starfield's just kind of a boring game. It's just not that interesting. There was so much involved with like the procedurally generated blah, 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 that, okay, great. You have this massive universe and somebody's going to be mad at me for saying this, but our universe is kind of boring in a big way, right? Like the fact of the matter is, is it's so vast out there. We don't think about it living here on planet earth, right? But it is so vast out there. There's just a lot of dead space. 
where there's nothing. The majority of space is empty oh and God. boring. And so when this is your video game, your video game is empty and boring. Um, so, you know, it, and I kind of think it's a hubris thing from from these well, I, yeah I, I mean kind of it is right it's yeah a it's like I don't okay know. so you got your braggadocious rights of how big you made your video game but that doesn't make it interesting um and and i will hello games who did who did no man's sky mm-hmm. they started with this problem and they solved it no man's sky was garbage when it came out they would tell you that it you know we're talking a game that came out in like 2016 2017 so you had this procedurally generated video game. It was cutting edge for the time. You could go to, they said something crazy, like a quintillion different planets, blah, 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 blah. See all of these different like flora and fauna. And it was boring. <laughs> but they fixed it. They kept going. And they made it one of the most interesting video games I've ever played. But at launch, it was garbage. Uh-huh. And they've admitted it. Um, okay. And this... That was a Sony issue. They just went to push it and they had to they had to make it do what it do. So here's my thoughts on the Microsoft thing. I don't know how they pull this off without just becoming a gaming mm. distribution platform. Maybe that's the plan. I don't know. You know, so like it's not a publisher, right? You mm-hmm. you have game publishers and your game publisher which, would which then, would, be Act- would be Activision. So. Would be like Activision, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's a whole different conversation. That's a whole other, yeah, yeah Ooh, I don't know whole, if I want to go yeah. there. Um, mm-hmm. so you've got your your game publisher. So Microsoft then is just distributing it to all of the other platforms. Like I'm, I don't understand what Microsoft's role is if it's not to, you know, make exclusive content for their hardware. Because at then what point does the publisher just say, well, I can distribute it on on the PlayStation and the switch. Like, I just don't understand what it is that they're proposing. They fill a gap for that. A publisher can't already do right now. Well, I think that's why, like, I think you and I are going to be listening to that podcast, uh, the podcast where we're going to make all those announcements. Cause I want to understand their vision, right? Their vision for the future of Xbox, but gaming as well. Right. Cause I think this is ripples. This is like important to the gaming industry. Like this is a a part of like all the change that's coming. Um, Right. When I heard you talking about um, some of the things that you're mentioning about these vast universes that are boring, um, I got reminded of this SNL skit, <laughs> Saturday Night Live skit called <laughs> New Game. It's from like, I don't know. I don't know, know this skit. I don't oh know Oh my this gosh, skit. you need to see it. It's like one of my kids' favorites. <laughs> okay. Um, it, and then I don't let them watch everything, but sometimes there'll be funny ones. And this one is like a new VR game. Like Pete Davidson's like the main person. Um, Kit Harrington was like the guest. And like Pete Davidson goes to this like GameStop to try this new VR game and he goes into this fully real VR game. But the whole thing is like he's trying to go shoot zombies and like the NPCs like have this like toxic workplace drama going on. Oh, and he's geez. like, I just want to go, I just want to go shoot zombies. And they're all like, This is so toxic. Do you know why Damien's doing this? I'm gonna share it. We're gonna share a link because it's hilarious. People are gonna laugh. I think you're gonna find it hilarious. I so it's about that. Like added this. added backstory that you did not need to have in this vast universe that exists in this game. Yeah, um, yeah. So and I think that's a big a big part of it. I mean, <laughs> I it is it is a little shocking to see a number like ninety seven percent of the player base for for Starfield fall off. But then I'm also not surprised. Mm. I'm just but from a marketing perspective, like the amount of money that was pumped into promoting yeah. it, all that stuff. I mean, oof. And they've had a they've had a rough go of it because what Fallout mm-hmm. 
uh, Fallout 4 did great. Then 76 that came out afterward, they kind of had the same problem. Yeah. They've been having a hard time. It's it's just almost like that there's this, there's a balance to how big we can actually make a game while still keeping it interesting. Yeah. And that is the thing that Nintendo does well, right? Like that's Nintendo yeah. games typically. Yeah. It, even a big game like like uh, Tears of the Kingdom, which is Legend of Zelda game, which is relatively open world, is not so vast that you get bored. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was there was a, been a couple of like design studies on like Breath of the Wild when that came out of how they kept people's attention, no matter which direction you looked or where you went. That was a masterclass on what everyone else is doing wrong. Um, and, and that's there's there's a limit like stop trying to make a world with life and start making a game. We already have the world with life, right? Like yeah. that's, I think that's the the issue. That's that we're such a into. good point. Um, and this actually get, leads us into a great conversation on, I think we have different views. No, uh, you and me, different you views. And me. <laughs> so of course, <laughs> Disney, uh, during their earnings call, shared that they have uh, invested 1.5 billion uh, a 1.5 billion stake in Epic Games. Yeah. Um. Yeah, obviously, they're going to be creating a what it's an interoperable parallel universe. Uh, with Disney IP, so it's not going to live inside Fortnite. It's going to be separate, but you're going to be able to go from one to another. So I got really excited. I think it breeds in. It was something I think personally, Epic Games needed. Uh, from an investment standpoint, I also think it sets the path for epic games to eventually go public one day pretty soonish i would guess in the next 18 to two, 18 months to 24 months that's mm-hmm. my guess i don't know anything right that's just my guess um i was excited about what it means for gaming but you seem to have a very different perspective uh, and i'll, I'll and we'll, we'll share an article to the forbes article that i got inspired and wrote about about generation alpha and like why business makes sense for disney and sense for epic See, this is why the show works, though, because <laughs> you're going to have a bunch of people who agree with you, and they're going to be fans of the show. And I'm going to have a bunch of people who agree with me, and they'll be fans of the show. Yeah. But they ain't going to be the same people. No. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> they're not the same people. <laughs> All right. So why do you think it's not a good thing for Epic Games, especially? Well, or in general, what are your thoughts? I don't know what... I don't I don't really fully understand what the 1.5 billion dollars buys, right? Like I get that it creates an offloaded kind of side game for Disney. I don't know if that costs 1.5 billion dollars. That doesn't that seems like a that's people don't like we we throw the B word around a lot and don't really grasp how much money that is until like That's not Sam a lot Altman, for Disney like, though. It's it's it, one point five. It's a lot for Epic Games. It's not a lot for Disney. Um, I mean, it's a lot of money for any of us. Granted, I think really, I think. But, uh, I'm looking see. something up. I'm looking Uh-oh. something up. I'm trying to figure out what it what what did they buy Star Wars for? They bought Star Wars for like seven billion something like that. I don't remember what Love it was. Penguin for what was it? Hundred million? I can't remember. There's like some stats. On what when Disney spot gaming IP and what they've done with okay, so in 2012, Disney acquired Lucasfilms for four billion dollars. Okay, but they haven't acquired Epic Games. It's a, a strategic no, no. investment. Right, 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 right. 
Right, it's a stake. So, like, if they so, go public one day, this is really good money. Like, well, like, first off, my problem is I don't necessarily think that video game engines going public is a good ah, thing for the okay. community. Okay, like that, it it's a good thing for the investors. I kind of understand where it sort of has to happen. I can play that game. I can I, I can wrap my head around it, but. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we saw Unity go through, a lot of the decisions they had to make in 2023 that had that really hurt their stock value as a stock as a shareholder, mm -hmm. that was just painful to watch. Those decisions were solely made because they had investors and they had shareholders and they were trying to scramble ways to make the line go up. Um, and that's not necessarily what is best for the product year over year over year. And we, we, we are kind of seeing that play out with Unity. Now, I do see Unity making some better decisions. They're mm -hmm. looking at, towards a new CEO. They've walked back a lot of their divisive uh, decisions that they tried to make. And, and I think they got a black eye for it, but they're going to survive this. Unity is an incredible piece of technology. They've got amazing partnerships. Their partnerships with Apple are going to be oh, yeah. just um, um huge boon for them and i see a lot of that happening with unreal as well and now yes apple and unreal they've had their fights they've had their public beef and it goes back and forth but you're silly if you think that unreal is not going to be on the apple oh, yeah. vision pro as an engine like it's an engine it's going to do its thing um disney plus unreal on the vision right, pro right right now my other issue is it depends on how much control disney allows epic to continue to hold mm, and we've seen this to, happen okay. before so you got to kind of go with a little bit of your history here and Good. kingdom hearts was a square enix game that mm -hmm. had a lot of disney characters in it like it was basically a disney rpg mixed with square enix's stuff but square enix had a lot of control over how they made those video games and and how the gameplay was and all of this other stuff and so the kingdom hearts series was really good now, Square Enix, in their own right, they've been around for like 30, 40 years. They're the original uh, RPG video game creators. They're video game royalty, and they'll always, you know, be such. Um, I think that's why they were able to demand, like, this is the control we have over. This is what we do. We're going to do it the way we do. So they make these great video games. Um, I, if that one point whatever billion goes to, to Epic and they can continue leading the direction on Fortnite the way it needs to go great if it just turns into a disney ad i'm not so sure um i love mm -hmm. disney products I, I i grew up watching disney movies like everybody else did there's nothing wrong with disney that's not it but disney has a history of taking really popular things and then just ramming them into the ground <laughs> like just like you are going to do this for the next four years until you're just tired of it and we're I don't seeing think Tim Sweeney's gonna let that happen I'll be honest I, I think there was probably a lot written into that stake or like into that agreement Marvel movies him, like Marvel just... movies Marvel movies okay okay yeah I mean I can't watch one more yeah it's, maybe I can <laughs> I, I mean I was the fan that got in line every time a Marvel movie came out and now I'm just beating my head against the wall every time they've it's oversaturated like it's just I, oversaturated yeah, why, why would it's i watch one much. more like i've already lost like yeah yeah, yeah. the multiverse i'm, I'm like yeah i don't even know what's the, going on in the multiverse anymore like, and I'm that's the, and they did the same thing with star wars as a star wars fan i just got to a point where i'm just like disney you gotta 
Disney used to do this thing called the vault. Do you remember the vault? Oh my, you've talked about it. Yeah. Like the Disney vault was marketing genius. They would put out a movie. Is when they, they they had these iconic, really fat VHS cassette cases. Like you knew it was a Disney movie yeah. based on, and they were the they didn't fit on any one shelf. Yeah. <laughs> like it did not match. There was these yeah. big plastic clamshell cases, and they came from the Disney vault. And you knew what the movie in this was a classic Disney movie, mm-hmm. and they only sold them for a period of time, and then they took they put them back in the vault. So back this was your vault. period of time to, to, to buy it. They had this balance to not oversaturate a market where when it was available, it was available when it was. That's impossible now in the streaming streaming world. The streaming wars. Like you can't like put things back in the vault. Now you're just shoveling stuff out of the vault right into the furnace. I mean, it is just nonstop. (laughs) You're mutating what's in the vault at this point. Yeah. You're spawning, you're spawning new yeah. It's too much. (laughs) You're respawning weird stuff from that. Like, I don't know. So I don't know. Can it can it be good? Yeah, it can be good. I don't have the optimism that I think people who want to see Epic get an IPO Mm -hmm. have. Um, And that's I'm not saying I don't want them to get an IPO. I'm just saying I don't have the sheer optimism. It could be good, but we've seen it go bad. We'll see what happens. I'll tell you this. So I got a chance probably last year, October, to invest in the private and get some shares of Epic. I decided not to do it at that time. And when this announcement came out, I was like, man, I should have bought those shares. Um, (laughs) So now I'm sure that on the private, um, there's going to be people trying to buy more Epic uh, because this this could be really interesting. Like two of the gaming companies that I've talked about for a couple of years now, about a year and a half, that I think could do an IPO soon are Niantic and Epic Games. I feel like they're heading in that direction. You think Niantic could, you think there's enough? I think Niantic is going to need that eventually. Hmm. What is, I mean, I like Niantic, you know, they're, they're a fantastic company. You know, they're so close, you know, their office in Seattle is amazing. Like I, I think the world of them, but they just don't seem like big enough. I don't know how to, how to I, really, I don't like, know. I think that there's a whole hardware play for what they offer. Yeah. The maps. They just joined um, one of the map consortiums. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that there's a lot more tech behind the company. Like when they acquired 60 AI, like the, you know, virtual positioning system. I think there's so much that is not just gaming with Niantic that because they, they become, they, they're a tech company to me. I agree. I, they they kind of have, but to me, they kind of have the same problem that, that Snapchat has of like, they have a lot of proprietary mm. software and even hardware and they have some amazing technology. Snapchat has some of the best technology on the planet especially when it comes to facial recognition yeah i'm still waiting for them to properly leverage it and and or license it or whatever their business development plan is for for that to see where it goes and i feel the same with niantic i every time i see niantic come up and these are great people this is not a dick every time that i see niantic come up it is synonymous with pokemon go at some point, you have to stop talking about Pokemon Go. Yeah. That can't be the only trophy on the shelf, especially when you're sitting on so much amazing technology. I mean, well, their stuff really is class, like world class. To me, they're either IPO or acquisition. Remember at one point there was talk that Disney could acquire electronic arts, but yeah, then yeah. boom, here's the investment, the 1.5 billion stake in, in Fortnite, right? In, yeah. in Epic Games. Now, I could see them as so. an acquisition, and that makes a lot of sense. I just am I'm, I'm not fully there on and again i i do think a lot of companies because they feel like that there's a need to run towards the the ipo yeah. um mm-hmm. and in it 
it burns a lot of really good tech too fast, too bright. Um, yeah. It's, it, I don't know. Those are the ones that I've always said. I, I feel like they're heading there. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, know. we'll see. We'll see. I mean, so. it would not surprise me to see it with Epic because of their intellectual property that they own, but mm-hmm. more because the engine in their engine. Yeah. Unity's got an IPO. You know, they had an IPO, so like now well, they have Twin Motion. Traded. They have Sketchfab. Yeah. Like, there's so many other things that the Epic Games that have. Sketchfab acquisition was great. Yeah. I thought the Bandcamp a- a- Camp acquisition yeah. was great. I was really shocked to see them offload that. Yeah. Um, it, that, that was sad that, when I heard they were like, like, I was like, how are you? What? Like, I was very, yeah, very surprised. Yeah. That, that was kind of like a, they, they bought it and then immediately said, JK, we don't actually want <laughs> this. I, I don't, I don't know what happened behind the scenes or any of that. Um, but the acquisition made sense when I saw it. I, I think a, a lot of people were confused. Why would you buy this like indie music distribution company? And I was like, well, because video games need music. And that's where I thought it was going. And then it didn't go there. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I'm not privy to um, that. (laughs) I think we're going to go on break. Uh, and now that it's February, we were back to expert interviews. Uh, we're going to do an expert interview with Nick Hill from Sawhorse. They've been doing amazing work with a lot of brands in virtual worlds and Roblox. They did Aloe Yoga. I mean, I'm going to have a great conversation with Nick. Um, where we're talking a lot about, you know, how brands enter the space, but also what it means when you don't, you know, when you don't frame things like, in regular 2D movies and films, you're framing, you're controlling what people are seeing. When you're in the gaming spaces, you don't really control that. It's it's kind of like they go and do what they want. Um, so a great conversation with Nick Hill after this break, and then we'll continue with some more news. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So today I'm joined by someone that I find fascinating who's been doing really, really amazing, noteworthy work uh, in the virtual worlds and gaming space. Um, and I actually met him in person in L.A. at the Metaver- the Economist Metaverse event. Uh, it was lovely to kind of chat and, and learn that he also it listens to the podcast. So uh, Nick Hill, welcome to Tech Magic. Hey, Kathy. Thank you for having me. Um, awesome. Yeah, huge fan of the podcast. I'm really happy to be here. Good, good, good. So, Nick, a lot of folks know you in the space, right? A lot of my audience actually knows you or knows the work that you do. But for those of us that don't, um, tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do. Awesome. So my name is Nick Hill. I am co-founder and head of the interactive department at Sawhorse. And Sawhorse is a traditional production company. We've been around for about 
13 years. We started in the branded video digital space, so everything 2D linear storytelling. And then during the pandemic, we got into the metaverse space, um, building uh, 3D immersive worlds on Roblox and other platforms um, for the same clients, brands, studios, and agencies. But instead of just telling you know, a, a 2D linear story, now we're telling like 3D immersive gamification uh, for those same clients. And you do you tell folks a little bit more a little bit about your background like where you where you come from and how you ended up working in these virtual worlds and gaming spaces yeah so my background um, you know come from like the creative side uh, I grew up really into movies really into video games and like just loved all of that and then when I got a little bit older um, I kind of gravitated more to the film side, film and video production. And a few of my buddies uh, gravitated toward the gaming side, started to work at AAA studios and whatnot. And back then, um, there weren't all these UGC platforms and open platforms. So it wasn't as easy to make a game and have impact. So I totally abandoned those ideas of gamification and all that. And I just really leaned hard into video. Um, And then... uh, just like I said, like the past three years, I finally got that opportunity to tell those stories in an immersive way. And, you know, for me, it was like the handcuffs had been taken off creatively because, you know, I I love uh, film and video and and storytelling in that way, but it's a little limiting. You know, when you work with your audience, there's a beginning and a middle and an end, and you're fully controlling their attention, which is is amazing. It's it's such a, a fascinating art. But with inter- when you add a layer of interactivity to storytelling, it just opens up the floodgates of creativity. And I've just fully embraced that side. So, Nick, like you're mentioning, it's really interesting because I got my start at uh, Future Lighthouse, which was a cinematic VR uh, company. Way ahead of its time, you know, it obviously, you know, as a startup, <laughs> didn't, go, didn't, didn't go as far as we wanted it to. It's no longer around. But we always had this conversation about the frame, right? Because when you're working with traditional movies or traditional TV or traditional, you know, flat uh, image, you know, experiences, there's a frame, right? And you control the frame. You control the attention of of what the person is looking at and where they their gaze should go and those sorts of things. And I feel like when we get into these more interactive spaces, like gaming, for example, and obviously spatial computing, which we'll talk about too. Um, you can't control the frame, right? That the the person that is playing the game or the person that's looking at specific content has the the liberty, let's say, to do as they want to do. So it becomes uh, more than storytelling; it's become becomes story living, like many of us call it. What are your thoughts around that? Because it it, it changes the way we interact with content. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is a big jump. If you just look at traditional storytelling, um, I have a background in editing and directing. And some of the best directors in the world are, they're controlling your attention and your focus every single second of that movie. Like for how long we're looking at this shot, what size the images are inside the shot and the pacing of that, you're fully controlling people's attention span. Um, and it's such a masterful art that it's people are mesmerized to it, which I have a lot of respect for because if you think about it, it's a very boring medium. You know, there's no interactivity. It's top down. Yet people are captivated. You know, the best films in the world, people will st- stare at the screen for two hours fully in, 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 you know, engaged in it. And I think when you open the frame up uh, to a 3D immersive experience, 
it creates all these problems because you can you can build the the most beautiful scene and try to have an action that's happening there but you can no longer control people's level of engagement of it they have so much more freedom to explore the space um, and kind of go off and decide quests and do whatever they want so the challenge is you really have to figure out how to add layers of gamification and then somehow interweave story elements and story beats so that you're still taking them on a ride uh, but one that they have way more agency over. And I feel like Sawhorse has been really successful at exactly that, of creating these very engaging experiences, right, for for brands. Um, how do you think brands should look at the gaming and virtual space? What, what do you think they should be thinking about when they look at entering these spaces? That's a great question. Um, I think the f- the first question you should ask, a brand should ask, is is relevancy. Do I have a purpose to show up in this space? or not. Um, or if I show up, can I show up organically and authentically in a way that like makes sense? I mean, there's a few um, examples that you've spoken about recently on the podcast that just weren't good fits, right? It was just kind of, you. people get a knee-jerk reaction. It's like, why is this brand here? This, is, this doesn't work. Um, so my first advice would be, you know, understanding the audience of which platform you're going into what are the people there like? What are they interested? What do they do there? And then, you know, really focusing on brand ethos, figuring out what your brand is and, and what you're trying to say. And then how can you weave that in in an organic way that uh, resonates really well with the audience? I know it's kind of vague. <laughs> does that make sense? <laughs> no, I think it does. I mean, you guys have worked with some amazing brands. Maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the companies you've done great work with. We had, for example, Cynthia Miller, right, on the podcast. Um, you guys have done lots of amazing work, but maybe talk a little bit about some of the companies you've partnered with. Yeah. Um, you know, the first project that we did was for Allo, uh, the mindfulness, uh, yoga brand company of clothing. Um, and I love that experience because it rides the line between being a game and an experience. And, it's a kind of a tricky thing to do because a lot of brands will come to these platforms and they'll just straight up make a game that I would argue is not really in line with the brand ethos. They've just made some sort of a simulator game or a tycoon game that it's a mechanic that we know works on the platform, but um, it doesn't really, it doesn't really make sense for that brand. And I don't think it's really valuable to the users there. So with something like Allo Yoga, we brought like mindfulness to the metaverse is which is our tagline that we used, but we basically brought in guided meditations uh, to Roblox. So users there could meditate, reflect on their life. We even like encourage them to step away from the keyboard or step away from the phone and just breathe. And it was tremendously successful. We gamified it. Um, so, you know, it, it's classified as a game, but I would argue that it's more leaning on the experimental side. Um, and, and those are the ones that I, I like the most. And I feel like the Aloe Yoga one is still one of those that is in, has, was incredibly successful, uh, is a go-to for a lot of people. It was just beautifully done and, and perfectly captured, like, I think, the ethos of both the brand, but also what they are giving to their audience, right? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like a, every brand has a message and a core ethos. Uh, if you go, if you drill down, you try to understand what value are they they giving to their communities beyond just... Um, you know, buying and selling a product. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just leaning into that and trying to extract that and gamify it 
and bring it to life in a 3D immersive way and, and, and offer real value to the users there. You know, I have this um, thing that I've been saying a lot recently, and I, I kind of love it. It's, um, you know, uh, marketing doesn't have to suck. And I feel like we're at this point with the UGC space that's really exciting to me because a lot of traditional marketing is top down. If you look at the example of like a billboard um, or a commercial, I mean, these are pretty intrusive mediums, you know, like you're enjoying your life driving down the street or you're enjoying a show. And then all of a sudden, like, bam, you're, you're blocked. Um, and it, the message is essentially look at this thing and buy it. And I would argue that that's not additive to somebody's life. But with these UGC platforms, essentially we're making immersive ads that users are choosing to opt into, which to me is like fascinating. People are choosing to go spend time in this immersive world that was created by this brand and they're getting something that makes their life better. So in that sense, marketing and advertising doesn't have to suck. It can be a good thing that people enjoy um, and that makes their life actually more enjoyable or fun. If that's interesting, you mentioned that because it, it is a sea change. And I think like most, not all, but most marketing departments totally do not understand this shift, right? This this monumental shift in in marketing and engaging with Gen Z and Gen Alpha and, you know, even millennials that are in, in the gaming space. Uh, there's a really great article from The Information. It's an opinion piece by Andrew Rosen, where he talks about how a lot of media executives want gaming, but most of the people that are running some of these, you know, some of these some of these bigger things happening in corporate America are ill, ill suited, <laughs> ill suited to run them because they're not gamers or they don't understand the culture or they don't understand kind of what this means. Right. Um, so, so I definitely want to talk a little bit about as, as you know, you guys have been so successful, some of those best practices, right? How do people level up? Right. Don't, don't give away the secret sauce or anything. It's more like, what are some of the tidbits that anyone listening to this can walk away with and maybe bring to their leadership, right. Who, who might be like, maybe chomping at the bit at, you know, at gaming now because they hear what Disney's doing or <laughs> they see yeah. what Netflix is doing. Um, and they want to maybe say, Hey, I think we should, we should bring the brand into these virtual spaces. Like what are some of the, some of the things that they can level up their knowledge with that they can then go back to their, you know, their C-suite and say, Hey, I think we should do this. Yeah. I love that question. I think the, the key is really listening. You know, it, it's, it's a new medium and it's a new space. I like to describe it as you're stepping into someone else's community. Um, it's not the way traditional marketing works. You know, you can't just buy a space there and blast it in front of people's faces and hope that it's going to resonate. It doesn't work like that. So what you have to do is you have to understand these communities. You have to understand these platforms. Um, so my advice would be to do your research. Listen to this podcast, you know, read articles. Um, have conversations with studios like Sawhorse and others. And I think once you have a, a decent knowledge base, um, oh, I'd also say play the games. It's not that hard. Yeah, you yeah know? I'm with you. <laughs> Just jump in, make an account. Most of them are free. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve at first. It's like, how do I move my character around? But you get over that fairly quickly. And then you can experience it as they're experiencing it. And I would say if you think something's lame or something's not fun, well, guess what? It's probably not fun to the people that are there either. So, you know, you have to, you don't have to become like a hardcore gamer or some sort of expert, but you should be knowledgeable about the space that you're going to, that you're planning on um, activating within. And then the second piece I would say is like, just, you need to trust your studio. You need to listen. Um, 
you know, obviously marketing executives and marketing teams are experts in what they do, but if they don't necessarily understand the space and they're hiring a studio to help advise them, I would say, listen, um, and be collaborative because some of the rules that you have to apply are counterintuitive. You know, they might be like, that's very strange. We would never make a UGC item. That's a massive backpack. That's three times the size of the character. Um, but things like that resonate really well with the people at the platform. So you kind of have to keep an open mind um, and actually have uh, some experience and, and some background in like what's happening on these platforms. That's that's fantastic advice. I do I do agree. Um, and definitely, you know, one of the things I'm seeing as well is like they need to lean lean into people like team members. Like if you're in the court in the corporate side, if you're on the brand side, there might be people that are already gamers <laughs> that know the environment. You're just not tapping into, into their expertise. It doesn't mean they can develop the game. You normally have to work with, you know, a studio like you guys, but you know, they will bring a lot of knowledge about the platform and about the gaming space that you didn't tap into before because you never really asked. Um, so I definitely see that as well. Yeah. I love that. That makes so much sense. There's usually somebody on the team that yeah. plays games, <laughs> you know, or, or used to, you know, five years or ago. Used or used to, something. yeah. And I think that's the one thing, like if you understand the core loop, you know, like if you get dropped into a game and you actually can connect with it, um, that's how you know something's going to be sticky or something's going to kind of work. And, um, you know, if you've never played games, you might not be able to detect that. But uh, to your point, Kathy, I think if, if someone on the team is has a somewhat of a background in gaming, throw them in. And even if they're not leading the project, you know, have them mm-hmm. review the work in progress and kind of experience it and, and give some feedback throughout the whole process. It's funny that you mentioned that path, like the gamer path, because I feel like mine was similar. Like I was like, when I was like a gamer, gamer girl was definitely Street Fighter, yes. Mortal Kombat early days, right? Which, yeah, which in hindsight, it's like, wow, that was pretty, <laughs> pretty graphic stuff. But hey, we had a great time. I would play with all my friends. We'd have all these like, you know, neighborhood championships, like our little esports. now that I think about it. Um, And I stopped playing for a long time. And then I got back into it with Roblox, especially when my kids started playing, you know, and now it's like Roblox and Fortnite. And then I play some indie games with them. And I'm really bad at Mario Kart, but it's okay. (laughs) But I I feel like myself, I have embraced that gamer side of myself that I let go of a long time ago because I was like, oh, no, this is not, you know, this is not cool anymore. Like, this is not what my other friends are doing. And I re-embraced that. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people that listen to this might be like, well, that was me. That was me back in the 90s or the 2000s. And um, so I, I feel like also the word gamer, right? There's this whole like baggage baggage attached to it that I'm like, it, there doesn't need to be baggage. It's actually really cool to be a gamer. Um, any any thoughts, Nick? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So much to unpack there. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm kind of the same way with you. Like I was big into games and then I kind of stopped and I got into the film side. Um, and then I didn't play games for a long time, but when I got back into this, uh, interactive stuff and, and building on Roblox, now I'm like playing more yeah. Roblox game. I'm, I'm playing more, um, you know, mobile games and mm-hmm. like I'm playing Marvel snap right now and I'm learning so much because I'm understanding the core loops, the game psychology design. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, I understand why they're doing this. I understand why they're doing that. This is what we shouldn't implement on this project and then that project. And, you know, you really start to get into like the theory of what game, what makes games Mm -hmm. work and good. And then you have to like start applying that stuff. Obviously, you know, there's, you know, tremendously talented uh, game designers that you'll be working with on all your projects. But 
uh, and they're superior to that stuff than, than, you know, me and other people, but it's like having an understanding of that is really valuable. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And what do you, like when you, let's say, look towards the future, right? Because I feel like the gaming virtual world space, you know, AI is moving super fast, right? But I feel like the gaming space as well, like I feel like every week there's news and there's all these things happening. I even joke, and, and I joked about this on on an article I wrote for Forbes. I said, it, it feels like every company now is a gaming company. You know, at the time when it was like, every company is a tech company. I was like, yeah, <laughs> right? You're a real estate company. You're not a tech company. Um, I feel like now it's starting to be like, every company is a gaming company. When you look towards the next five years, and that's really hard, right? Because of the fast, fast, you know, pace of change. What are some of the things that you envision or that you're excited about when you look at that future? Yeah, well, I would say I, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, maybe, maybe not everything is a gaming company, but I think that almost every company is an interactive company. You know, because media has become more interactive, you know, if you since Web 2 and then going into Web 3, it's, you know, allowing your uh, clients and customers to interact and like do more than just read a website or fill out a form or watch a video. Now they're commenting, they're, they're having discussions about what you're doing. And now with these 3D um, immersive platforms, they're building and they're sharing and they're playing and they're, you know, earning so I think that like any company that wants to stay relevant has to has to embrace interactivity to one you know level or another. It doesn't have to be a core game loop, but it has to be more than what we currently have in our landscape. I think there's a lot of that um, coming in the near future. And also, I would just ask you as well. Uh, you know, I was just so fascinated by the concept of the metaverse, and I you know I look at it what it is today, and it's so far from the vision. Um, yeah. You know, like I've read a lot of your work. I've listened to, you know, all of the main podcasts and I've just like drank the Kool-Aid and went so deep down the rabbit's hole. But when you think about like um, uh, Ready Player Me and uh, mm -hmm. Snow Crash, you're talking about a fully immersive, uh, you know, perfect world that feels just like reality. And I know we're, we're going to get there. They, you know, experts say like 10 years, maybe, maybe less. But that's fascinating to me. I think... I think there's no stopping that. I think once, you know, we're we're um, cr we're creatures of experience. You know, we we love to experience things with our friends and family and travel and live. And I feel like once the fidelity gets to that level, it's gonna be, it's it's there's gonna be no stopping it. It's gonna be fully embraced. Um, and I think if you look at how brands are gonna interact at that point, right now. The gaming and the metaverse is the fidelity is so low and it's so mm -hmm. flat that it's hard for people to um, to show up in the normal way that their brand would because they have to leverage gamification to make it fun or make it engaging and work. What I'm fascinated about is in the future, once the fidelity and immersion levels are so high, brands can just show up to, and do what they do. So an example, like a clothing company, they're just going to make the best digital clothing. They don't have to worry about a core loop. Or you look at it like a delivery service, like, you know, UPS or DHL, they're going to lean into file packet delivery systems. You know, how can we deliver uh, units from this platform to that platform? And uh, right now, you can't really do that. Right now, like UPS is showing up in how can I make the UPS simulator? Because that's all you can do. What, do. what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned like sci-fi, right? You know, Ready Player One and Snow Crash. I always tell people that I, I love those both. Of course, I read them. 
Um, there's a book called uh, Rainbow's End by Verna Vingay, and uh, it just turned 20. I don't know. It's been a long time since he published it. It is a fantastic sci-fi. It's still dystopic a little bit. Yeah, definitely dystopic. But I definitely recommend that people read it as well because it's a different perspective. Uh, unlike Snow Crash or unlike um, Ready Player One, it's not about full immersion. This is actually more mm. about glasses that overlay data in front of you. So it's not you going into a headset into a fully immersive world that kind of replaces the world around you. This is more you walking around with... This is a, a history, a, you know, a sci-fi future where we don't use computers anymore. Like we use these glasses and these devices, right? So uh, for me... And when people tell me, ask me that, I say, I feel like, I hope, I hope the future is not so much Ready Player One. I want the graphics. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I want the high fidelity and the graphics. It's amazing. But I think, I hope it's less Ready Player One and maybe more Jarvis. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, I feel like that might be, at least from a, from that perspective, I hope it's more a Jarvis device, right? Uh, from, you know, when, when Iron Man's using it or even Tom Holland, the Spider-Man is using it, they're collaborating with this AI on their glasses and even on the plane and they're doing solving all these problems and doing all these sorts of things. So I feel personally that I like that vision a little bit more. I'm not saying, you know, that it should be Verne, Verne Vingay's, um, Werner Vingay's vision, but I definitely recommend people read Rainbow's End from that perspective because I find it fascinating the, the juxtaposition of some of the visions of, of what the future could be. Um, so I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a true optimist about the future. I have to remain optimistic as a mother of three children. My hope is that, you know, we, we, we do good things uh, in this world. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm excited about what the future will be for those brands. I do think that brands are going to need to adapt. They're going to need to be more interactive, exactly like you said. And they're going to need to realize that, th that they no longer, it's no longer top down, right? It's going to be, one to one, it's going to be me, the brand directly work, directly working with the person, right? It's um, yeah. what Zoe Scaman calls the multiplayer brand. Um, I I love that concept, and it becomes, it starts to be, it starts to, I think it starts to land the plane a little bit for for brands understanding that they don't necessarily have control. And another part of this puzzle, Nick, since you asked, is that I see this younger generation, right? They're going into corporate America with built-in audiences. Corporate America is very much about controlling the message, right? That's a lot of what is done in PR and comms. When you start to have this younger generation that comes into the workforce with a built-in audience, you can no longer necessarily control the message. So I think I think corporate America <laughs> in general is going to have to adapt and change to that interactivity and that fluidity of information that is going to come with that Gen Z, um, bigger numbers of Gen Z in the workforce and Gen Alpha, right? Being 10% of the workforce by 2030. So that in itself is going to enact change in corporate America and lead to more interactivity, both internally and also externally. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's a good thing. You know, I think even with Web2, you know, having people ha allowing a voice to have a conversation about the way that they're feeling about something and sharing that all over socials, you know, and having that impact we're just going to see more of that in the future. And I think it's going to be more difficult for corporate America just to tell people that this is the way it is, deal mm -hmm. with it. It's going to be more like an open conversation. And they're going to, it's, they're, they're not going to be able to hide as much, <laughs> I think. I, I, I need to come up with a, we need to come up with a term together. And instead of Mad Men, it's not the age of Mad Men, it's the, ad, the age of whatever that is. I don't know what it is, but I need to, think, I need to sit down and think about this. Like <laughs> The people that are making uh, the advertising world suck less. 
Yes. That's it. <laughs> doesn't have a good range of to game it. makers. I don't know. I, I like the concept of going from gamer to game maker. Um, I, oh, I've yeah. been kind of thinking through that a lot in my evolution myself as as I start to be get get more technical and be more de- more of a developer. Going from you know a gamer to a game maker, uh, I find that really interesting. So well anyway, said. but yeah, Nick, what I mean, anything anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I mean, I just like you, I'm, I'm uh, an optimist. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about the future. I'm extremely excited about what brands can do and how they can activate within these communities and reach people and give them something of value. This stuff makes me really happy and excited, and I just can't wait to keep building. Awesome. And for folks that want to reach out to Sawhorse and to you, how can they connect? Yeah, so our site is sawhorsela.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Nick Hill, N-I-C-H-I-L-L. And yeah, always looking to collaborate and push the envelope. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being on Tech Magic. Thank you, Kathy. And thank you for all your amazing work. I'm going to keep listening. Thank you. All right. Uh, So yeah, that was Nick Hill from Sawhorse. Great folks over there. I'm a big um, fan of Sawhorse. I, yeah. I, I, I discovered Sawhorse, um, I think they did the Elton John experience in mm-hmm. Roblox. And that was one of the earliest worlds where I like went into it and it was just like, whoa, this is pretty. Yeah. Um, you know, Roblox was always kind of seen as uh, a lot of fun, really dynamic, but it wasn't known for its graphics. And like that Elton John experience was a next level of of fidelity that... I was just immediately enamored with um, really a lot of fun in that. And that's kind of how I discovered them. Great, great team down there. Yeah, great team. Nick's a fantastic guy. Um, so loved having him on the pod. All right. So now I want to go into our two other sections where it's going to be like AI heavy. <laughs> I feel like any tech podcast is AI heavy. I think we're different because we talk a lot more about like spatial computing, XR and gaming. But well, let's go into AI world. Um, before we do go into the AI section, I do want to mention for anyone listening to this, you've probably already seen this, but we've launched a four-episode limited-run podcast called AIQ. It is sponsored by Microsoft. Um, we've had, uh, you know, an amazing episode with Jenny Nicholson that came out on Friday. That came out on Friday. It's only four episodes, but the whole purpose is for you to level up your AI knowledge. Everyone that we're interviewing is really sharing great tips for anyone out there. So if you're a listener of Tech Magic, definitely check out AIQ. It comes out every Friday. And yeah, let us know if you like that kind of format, if that, you know, those kind of limited run podcasts are something that you want to see more um, more of us doing. And if you're a brand and you want to sponsor one, definitely reach out. It's something that we're really interested in, in kind of leaning into. Um, so let's go into AI. Uh, let's start with the not so exciting part, but very important, uh, the government and AI and things that are happening. So uh, the FCC. Oh, that is the exciting part. That's the exciting part. Hardware, but yeah, sure. <laughs> From when it, where it comes to actually like our lives, um, yes, very important. Um, the FCC has declared that AI-generated voices in robocalls are illegal. So yay, yay, good job FCC in getting it ahead only of this. took it only took a fake robocall from the president of the <laughs> United States for them to finally go. You know what? Maybe this is going too far. Maybe it's no. not good. Yeah, I am all for this. I this to me is the exciting news. Mm-hmm. When people make it's an election year, I'm not going to give my political opinions yeah. or biases in any of this, but I will say this. When people elect a president, they often are not thinking about who they're electing affecting the FCC. Mm-hmm. And it always changes when an election happens. And whoever is leading the FCC moves the needle for technology in ways that 
the average person doesn't take into consideration. Um, and I witnessed that happen when we were trying to turn, uh, when a lot of us were fighting to see the internet at least yeah. somewhat regulated or at least somewhat treated as a utility. And we're seeing some of the negativity of what it, what we've basically acquired by not doing that not now. Doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and so the fact that the FCC immediately stepped in and said, yeah, your robocalls cannot use this technology. Thank God, because that was going to get messy. And this is not just about politics. I think people need to realize, like, this is how people were going to scam people. Like, th yeah. these were real issues that were happening. Imagine getting a phone call from, like, loved ones, and it's not actually them. And uh, that you just can't. You just can't allow it. You just can't up. allow it, right? Yeah. There's also the story of that guy, I think it was in Hong Kong, a bank guy who just got scammed out of $25 million uh, through fake AI voices and stuff. Yeah. Um, even Lori Siegel, from, uh, who used to be at 60 Minutes, she has, she's the one that interviewed me for 60 Minutes back in the day when I was on it a couple of years ago. Um, and I get to say that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, she's actually doing a lot of work when it comes to um, everything that happened with Taylor Swift and these, you know... <laughs> Um, AI created, uh, you know, pornographic images that were all over, yeah. all over X. Um, she was talking about uh, a human password and um, that a lot of like these, you know, tech experts are telling her to use a human password. They said, what we call it in my house is a family safe word, yeah. right? That is a word that we do not like, we have, we don't write down. It's not, we don't talk about it in front of Alexa or anything. It's like, it's a word that we all know yeah. um, that is very, very much only known by our family. Right. And that is the word that I will know if I am talking to my children. It is actually my children and not, you know, not an AI. So there was actually an ad during the Super Bowl uh, with Jennifer Coolidge where she's calling, I think it was Discovery. And she's yes. talking to customer service. And she's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's, you sound like much like a human. She's like, I am a human. Oh, wow. And then like the human turn, like, the, you know, the, the uh, customer service is like, are you a robot? And she just starts, it's like. How, how do I, I prove that? <laughs> <laughs> so it made me think a lot about the AI ads and like different perspectives that were shown. Um, the, and it needs yeah. to be, we need to like have this resolved now. And thankfully this is at least outlined of, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. It just means it's not legal. Right. Like I think yeah. the, that does need to be de declared of like you, that does not mean for anyone listening, you don't have to worry about this. You absolutely have to worry about this, but at least there is, some legality standing yeah. up to like if someone gets caught. Well, like, and I think oh. this year we're going to get a lot of this. So also um, a federal judge has rejected arguments from Stability AI, Midjourney, and DeviantArt uh, that this that is that the suit is intended to suppress its free speech. So basically, basically the headline is AI companies take hits as judge says artists have public interest in pursuing lawsuits. So these lawsuits are going to continue. It is not defending their free speech. This is what this federal yeah. judge is saying. Um, and it's the right so. call, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it's it's a ridiculous claim. I, I kind of yeah. I, I take issue with companies with companies mm -hmm. claiming First Amendment rights. Like you're a company, you're, yeah. <laughs> um, and and I'll be really clear: the second that you can take your company and you can separate it from being a liability to your personal life, then it's no longer. If, if you don't have liability in the company, you, then the company shouldn't have all of these rights that are available to the actual person themselves. You got an LLC. It's a li limited liability company. You've made that separation. And in that separation should go those rights. Um, mm -hmm. That might be a strong stance for too many people. But DeviantArt, I'm sorry, you don't have a First Amendment right. Like yeah, you just like, compared it to the people who are like actually being affected by you. And I do think DeviantArt has 
the most stance. I think that their most position mm-hmm. because they didn't start with any ai mm-hmm. so there's a terms of service you agreed to upload your artwork that's all in the fine print that's part of the cost of it being a free free service now that i think they have like legality they have some standing there i get that when you start looking at just pure ai companies that are now like scraping data that is protected or whatever okay that's a different conversation so i think deviant art may actually come out of this one okay the other one's not so much but I don't think the whole argument of you, you're infringing. No, you're not infringing yeah. Come on. So, yeah, I think we'll see a lot more from the courts, obviously, um, this year when it comes to AI and regulation. And well, know, and that, that worries me, too, because, quite frankly, our courts need more education in how this technology transpires. There's just not enough people that are doing that level of important work that also have the the drive to like understand the nuance. There's so much education that has to happen to the court before the court can even like make a decision or make heads or tails of it. That's a bit of a gripe I have. And I love the folks at the patent office. Um, but sometimes some of the patents that are approved, I'm yeah. just like, this person has absolutely no idea how far reaching this patent is. And they didn't, they don't understand what they approve. Yeah. Um, you know, so I was having this conversation with someone that was showing me this new tech and they're telling me like how they're, uh, yeah, they get their patents approved. And that was great. But then I did bring up, like, I've seen some patents, not theirs, that I was like, this person has absolutely no idea what they just approved. Yeah, it's like a napkin sketch and somehow yeah, it gets like, approved. What? Did, what? Like, this is far overreaching. Like, how do you approve this patent is, is beyond my perspective. Like, my blows my mind. Um, I want to move into another section with AI. This is going to be our last section. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of moves in the hardware space, right? So we talked about yeah. Vision Pro. There's a lot of computer vision already in that device that I don't think people are realizing how far ahead Apple is when it comes to AI, when it comes to computer vision and some of the stuff they're doing there. And they're, you know, they work behind the scenes. They're working on all their large language models and all that stuff. So, I, you know, once Tim Cook comes out with this big announcement, like, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. But there's a lot of other moves. Um, I was reminded uh, of how Apple got uh, had acquired Mira Labs. Do you remember Mira? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it was Amy Webb that posted on her LinkedIn and she was wearing the Mira headset um, because she was doing the Mario Kart, um, you know, experience. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's Mira Labs. And then I reminded her, like, on her post, I said, oh, by the way, you probably already know this, but um, this company was acquired by Apple, right? So signal, right? This is a big signal of, like, things to come and how this is going to start progressing. But lots of stuff moving and shaking when it comes to hardware and AI. Uh, Brilliant Labs has launched frame glasses. Um, they are multimodal. They they serve as a multimodal AI assistant. Uh, an ex Apple employee revealed the new smart glasses with an AI powered twist. So it is by an ex ex uh, Apple employee. They're the ones that used to, that had monocle. I don't remember like little I like remember. little monocle. Mm-hmm. Now they have frames. I just ordered mine. Um, they actually yeah. look good too. I, I yeah I like yeah they're how cute. They, yeah, I ordered yeah. them in black. So yeah, this was the first set that I looked at and was just like. This doesn't look like tech. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's right up there with like the Ray-Bans with what Meta is trying to do and like all of that. So it'll be interesting to see that race, which is a completely different race from yeah. like the HMD world. It, it, looking at it from wearables that can subsequently also fill in a fashion gap. It's so interesting. Well, they're all going to collide. At some point, it's going to be a fashion choice yes. and we're all going to look amazing in our Ray-Bans. Yeah. Um, you know, I call it the Ray-Ban moment before. Made a partner with Luzotica, before so they I will claim the that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have their micro LED. They do visual analysis powered by OpenAI. They do search powered by perplexity. 
they're doing all these like integrations, which I thought was really interesting. Um, are you going to buy some? Like, what are your thoughts? I need to know a little bit more of like what I can do to customize lenses and things mm. like that. Um, you can do that. Like, you can do prescription lenses. Yeah, you can. Yeah. I'll, I'll look, I'll look more into it. Cause I, I just want to, I get weird about cameras on glasses. I don't know what it is. I've got so many VR headsets that have cameras. Yeah, I cameras. know. I, I don't, I didn't claim that it made sense. Okay. <laughs> like I never said that it made sense. I think it's 12. Yeah. I might be wrong on the number, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm interested. I'm interested. I've, I've read up on it. I, it's got some heavy hitters that are backing it. Uh, having open AI as, as mm -hmm. a, I have definitely become an open AI fanboy for sure. Um, so that's huge in there uh, as well. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to let it simmer for a little bit and see what comes of it. This is an interesting conversation that I keep having. And I had with, with the reporter today. And I said, look, every time you're engaging with ChatGPT, right, or whichever, if you're using Copilot or whatever, Gemini, yeah. um, you're engaging with it on a computer, like your phone yep. or your computer. So what we're talking about here is that these are containers where you're engaging with AI. So all the AI companies are hardware motivated because they totally. need to put their AI somewhere, yeah. right, for you to engage with it in more and more ways. Um, so, yeah, so this is, you know, when you talk about spatial computing, it's as much a hardware play as it is a software play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah just, totally. just want to remind people that because I'm like, you're engaging with this on your phone and your computer. This is as much a hardware play as it is a software play. I, you know what it is? Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm an early adopter, but I'm not an instant adopter. That's me. I'm an instant adopter. Yeah. I'm the yeah. guinea pig. I'm like, I've so, I've bought already so many of these like new devices. Yeah. I'm just waiting for them to get here. I'm like, oh, when does this one come in? Or <laughs> Kickstarter. I used to be like the worst. I'm like, I'm supporting this. And I never get the stuff. Um, I'm an, yeah, you know, I should have more impulse control. I just throw money at these things. I'm like, yeah, Someone's give, gotta me, do give it. me that hardware. <laughs> and then it's like a paperweight. <laughs> um no no pun intended to my devices in the back uh, <laughs> i love you guys um anyway other news uh Hainan airlines is handing out rokit ar glasses for in-flight entertainment uh they last week they started handing out rokit's augmented reality glasses on a few route routes for in-flight entertainment i found this interesting because in my uh trip on the way to apple to new york i went to new york labs um i actually wore the device uh mm -hmm. it was an evening flight you know I don't, I'm not a, what's the word they, not, um, not glass hole. What's the new word? <laughs> I don't know. Vision bros. There, so they're now vision called bros? vision bros. Like all the people that are wearing it, driving their Tesla and walking on the street in New York and flying an airplane. Nonsense. Don't do it. Don't be a vision bro. Uh, and it's mostly men, <laughs> but I, I, uh, wore mine on the plane to watch entertainment. You know, I wasn't walking around. Oh, I think the airplane totally makes sense. Yeah. I really do. And it was super fun. It was a little grainy because it's dark. So like when it's really dark, mm -hmm. not necessarily the best pass through situation, but still I could see everything, most everything around me. And yeah. um, I mean, people were like, I, I could see a person turning around, taking a picture of me. <laughs> yeah. They were like, what is this lady doing? Um, <laughs> so that was interesting, but I can definitely see this as an entertainment, a way, a device, the multiple devices that we might use, uh, want to use on an airplane to entertain ourselves. When, when the Oculus Go came out, right? A non oh, the six, go. yeah, non oh, six degrees of freedom. Oh my gosh. Like the Oculus Go. When the Oculus Go came out, I was traveling so often that I bought one just for airplanes because you could put a video player on it, you could load it full of of movies, and you could watch movies in the Oculus Go. So, like, 
I've been on that trend. Um, but the thing that it didn't have was this stability, which supposedly the Apple Vision Pro has like an airplane mode that's has not just airplane mode, mode but it has yeah. a travel mode, which fixes a lot of that like airplane movement. How is that? It wasn't great for me. Like it, like it will say lo- tracking lost. It mm. did happen. And it wasn't necessarily a bumpy ride. Like it wasn't right. like it's a short flight from New York to DC, like yeah. from DC to New York. Um, but it did say a couple times tracking lost. So it wasn't perfect. And like I said, at evening pass through, not the best experience. Yeah. So it'll be interesting that it's just interesting that airplanes are like airlines are experimenting with this, like, and it's becoming a new era for kind of proof of concept testing. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you've got a, a, a a tube full of Guinea pigs. Let's see who actually wants to try this stuff is an (laughs) kind of an interesting approach for technology. Um, because uh, yeah, you've got, I, I think I've used the Rokid augmented glasses one time, and I think it was like at a booth at AWE last year, and they were pretty cool. Um, but to actually be able to have them as a service to normies, <laughs> yeah, like, like people who've maybe never done this, uh, is is definitely an interesting approach. Um, I think. Well, but it, it is could- for mostly for an Asian market, which tends to be more tech forward sure i feel sure. like they're so like into this stuff like so much more than oh, I, our side of the world every time i see video from like singapore or something like that Japan, and i see they're singapore, just korea it's like i see yeah. their technology that's out in public and i'm just like what are we doing over they've been playing with their phones forever like <laughs> we are cavemen comparative to some of the stuff that i've seen like in in south korea like just some of the video that of like this is how their street lamps work and this is what their vending machines look like i'm like they got robots y'all we are so far behind (laughs) i'm with you i'm with you it's it's interesting to watch how different it is all right so uh i did say we were going to talk a little bit about new york fashion week because it's the beginning of fashion month my Uh, favorite favorite of course your favorite lee (laughs) my favorite i didn't get to make it i wasn't in new york for fashion week because i was i'm busy with a whole bunch of other stuff but uh, excited to share that Adobe's Primrose dress, the one that we talked about in our podcast, oh, oh, made its runway did... debut. Oh. Made its runway debut. Chris Cowan, um, one of the designers that was showing uh, in New York, closed the show with Prim uh, with the Prim Project Primrose dress that was yep. beautiful and made its debut. I got uh, I got the information uh, probably a couple hours before um, the show, and in, in hindsight, like I think. Personally, these PR teams should have had more tech people <laughs> in the, yeah, in the front time. row when you're unveiling a technical dress, not yeah. just your, you know, your typical suspects that are going to write about the fashion. But there were, I don't, I didn't, I don't think any of the tech people that cover this were front row, uh, which yeah. I think it's a big miss for any of these brands. So Adobe and your, uh, you know, in in your PR team, I think you could have done better by inviting folks <laughs> to the Chris Cowan front row. But hey, it's okay. I'll get invited to more. Um, but yeah, I didn't, there wasn't that this much is the dress that like adapts to different, different patterns and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. The dress you can't sit down in. I don't know if you can sit down, but you can definitely walk the catwalk <laughs> with walk it. The catwalk. It's beautiful. Uh, but yeah, they were working on it for a couple of months. It's beautiful. The model closed the show with it. A big hit. One, you know, first of many, I'm sure that we'll see, um, you know, throughout fashion month. But yeah, I'm so Project curious Pimbrose. as to how that's pattern, like how that's powered, right? Like I like th- there's so many technological questions I have as because it is neat. It, it is there's very a whole video. There's a whole we can include a link. There's a whole okay, video that explains kind of the process on how they worked on it. They designed it in paper, like 
a whole bunch of stuff. Super interesting. See, I want to know if you if if when you're walking, it's slowly charging the the actual dress because interesting. <laughs> I, I I don't think it's I don't think it's charging from your body heat or your body energy. We're not there yet um, with these types of fabric fabrics, at least not with that dress. Uh, but yeah, it made its debut, and I wanted to share that because you know, that's awesome. Fashion's my one of my loves. Uh, but yeah, we didn't, not that, at least what I've seen so far in, in Fashion Week New York's almost over, um, not a lot of technology, uh, a lot of back to the regular, <laughs> the regular way of doing fashion. Textiles. Textiles. And... <laughs> but I have a feeling, and I already starting to get some of those calls that by September, we are going to see a lot more spatial video, a lot more fashion, mm-hmm. a lot more fashion brands, stylists, all sorts of folks using spatial video in new content formats. Yeah. And that makes me super excited for Fashion Month of September. Um, of you know, content, we still yeah. we still have to. There's still Paris. There's still Milan. There's still London Fashion Week uh, coming up for Fashion Month. So I'm sure we'll see more tech probably in Paris. Um, yeah, I don't know. Exciting, exciting times. Project Primrose made its debut. All right, Lee. So um, let's talk a little bit about Dispatch from the Fringe. So Lily is going to join us as usual to do her Dispatch from the Fringe, which is usually pretty interesting. Um, what are you hoping for? For this, for I this never point. know what comes with like it could be it, it could be anything. I it could be anything. It's always something wild that I was just like, that's go, a Lily. story. You go producer Lily. <laughs> All right, Lily, tell us what dispatch from the fringe is this week. Hello, Kathy and Lee. Welcome to this week's dispatch from the fringe. This week, I'm bringing you VPPs, virtual power plants. That's right. It's not just the Apple Vision Pro that's bringing everyone online in a virtual immersive way. Power plants are too. All right. Not exactly, but I'm sure a spatial power plant is in the mix somewhere. So virtual power plants are a system of distributed energy resources like rooftop solar panels, electric vehicle chargers, and smart water heaters that work together to balance energy supply and demand on a large scale. So this helps keep costs down and prevent grids from getting overburdened. Think about a smart thermostat in your home. It's linked to air conditioning. And with a VPP, it can adjust the temperatures of your home and manage how much electricity your unit consumes. So on hot summer days, it can pre-cool homes before peak hours when air conditioning usually surges. So this can help stagger cooling times and can prevent abrupt demand hikes that might overwhelm the grid and cause outages. So virtual power plants don't have a central physical location, but they're really a portfolio of resources. And they have the ability to shape consumers' energy use in real time because they can communicate with distributed energy resources. Now, VPPs still have some things to overcome. For instance, virtual power plants differ from state to state and across companies. But by standardizing the deployment of virtual power plants, this could lead to a new industry as professionals in the space learn how to best practice and implement an interface with customers. That's your Dispatch from the Fringe. All right. Well, yeah, how virtual power plants are shaping tomorrow's energy system. Virtual power plants. Makes sense. It makes sense. Makes sense. You know, virtual anytime computers, that, virtual power plants. Yeah. Anytime sense. you can run simulation. Yeah. I'm always a fan. Anything that can be digital will be, di- what is anything that can be digitized will be digitized. 
or so, already is. Yeah, it already is in some ways, right? And we're heading more into that world. Uh, all right. So this episode, like I said, it ran a little long, but we had a lot to talk about. Uh, our big advice is don't be vision bros. Uh, you know, please. Don't, don't do that, please. Um, but yeah, I think just a lot of stuff. This is moving super fast. I feel like every week there's more and more news. It's not going to let up. Um, It's going to, at least it it gives our podcast meaning. There's a reason for us to show up next week. There's always something (laughs) to talk about, which I absolutely love. Um, And I love that we talk about a whole bunch of stuff. We're not just one track mind. Like this is like. Oh, that'd be boring. So many things. (laughs) It's a little bit for everybody. A little bit for everyone. So thanks to everyone that um, that listened. Nick and Nick Hill, who we interviewed, is actually uh, one of our listeners. So Nick, thank you. So yeah, you know. Lee, thanks for being here for episode 18. It's been a joy. Fabulous. Thank you. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to Tech Magic, where you come for the tech and stay for the magic. We'll be back next week. And remember, you can check out AIQ, a four-episode limited-run podcast uh, that helps you level up your AI knowledge. So we'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back with more magic next week.